A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improves definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. And not everyone will agree with them. I understand that. And I hope you do too. Thank you. And I can, I'll never forget, I was down on the ground trying to handcuff a prisoner and I had gas in my eyes. And then behind me was two prisoners stabbing each other. And it was like you were in a war zone. It was like, it was, and I ended up seeing the footage of that and I was like, God, I was lucky they could just stab me in time. Today's part two of my interview with Peter, the prison officer. For those who didn't hear it, I'll just bring you up to speed. Peter was a prison officer for 12 years and in that 12 years, he saw a lot. He spent time at all our major prisons here in Victoria and learned much about life on the inside. He has some salient points about the prison system as a whole, which wouldn't just be relevant to Victorian prisons because they're pretty much the same everywhere, uh, here in Australia at least. Why aren't there more educational programs in prison? And look, I could be wrong, but I'm of the belief that they tend to be offered educational programs after they've finished their stint in prison. So obviously they struggle to find meaningful employment and somewhere to live due to their lack of money. Why aren't we doing more for them during their sentences when they've got so much time on their hands? And I know Many of you will think who cares about offenders in prison, but if we don't care and we do nothing, many will just re-offend upon their release, returning to the life that they know. And because of that, any one of us could be another victim to one of their crimes. 
Peter says that we on the outside would be horrified at some of the conditions that our worst criminals endure, having taken a life or ruined a life. Oh, they've got eight hours out in the fresh air. Uh, They go to boxing classes, fitness programs. They go to the gym and they do what they love, keeping themselves fit. And I'm not saying it's a breeze, but from Peter's description, they aren't exactly doing it hard either. Many of these criminals, prisoners, have tortured and murdered innocent people who happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And according to Peter, they just don't seem to have much remorse. And that is a difficult pill to swallow. Peter shares his concerns about the training regime for a prison officer with the emphasis being in all the wrong places. Conflict resolution cannot be learned on a PowerPoint, surely. Putting a 21-year-old in a prison officer's uniform spells pretty much disaster to me. And to Peter, maybe not disaster, but certainly trouble. So this week, We hear some concerns that Pete has about the lack of training prison officers receive and how important it is to learn de-escalating techniques, how to show some empathy for the prisoner's situation, to listen to them, give them time to tell what's bothering them. These are the type of skills that Pete believes should be taught for a week, not an hour on a PowerPoint. Yep, Uh, he's of the belief that You do role play after role play after role play until the assessors believe that you, the prison officer, are ready to actually practice those skills in the real world of angry, disillusioned prisoners who hate the world and hate the person in that prison officer uniform. He also tells us a lovely story about taking time with a prisoner who'd gone on a rampage. He'd wrecked his cell and nobody could calm him down. But Pete was able to because Pete didn't yell. He listened and he responded calmly and he was honest with the prisoner. Pete would love to see more programs for prisoners, uh, programs that teach them some skills to give them on their release from prison. He also told me about this new drug that's finding its way into prisons, which would be almost impossible to detect. I've learned so much from Pete, and I think you might too, in this last uh, week two of my interview with Pete. Have a good week. Thank you. You've got some concerns about some aspects of the course that a trainee prison officer receives, and yeah. and I'm actually blown away. I'm really surprised to learn when we had a bit of a chat prior to today that conflict resolution is a PowerPoint lesson. Have, have I got that right? Yeah, basically, it's like most of most of the course is a PowerPoint lesson, other than a few different um, modules of it where you've got to be sort of practical type of stuff. But, yeah, conflict management's more about uh, people coming in and talking through a lesson plan and looking at a PowerPoint and um, you may practice for an hour about uh, some role-playing with another squad member, you know, with conflict resolution. But I joined the job in 2002. Then I rejoined the job in 2017 and the training practice hadn't changed. It was the same same eight weeks, same – a couple of little things might have changed, but – same, 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 same. Like, to me, it's got to be 12 weeks. It's got to be, in, you know, it's got to be more placement 
So having two weeks placement where the prison officer recruit goes in, they work alongside another prison officer, they can't do anything other than maybe answer phones, give out stuff at the console, they can't respond to codes, they're not allowed to do anything like that. But I just think they need to do more placement so that their hands are getting dirtier more often, so they're more confident when they get out there and graduate. Eight weeks is not enough, and you can't learn off PowerPoints. I don't care what anyone says. Anyone can come in, any, any person, corrections would bring in and deliver a package. This person may not have prison experience of 10, 12, 15, 20 years. It could be just someone from training and learning and development or you know, an officer has been in the job 12 months or put his hand up. And so I'll, I'll, I want to do, I want to deliver that package, but what life experience have you got? What ex- show me some experience you've had dealing with prisoners who are irate and tell me what you've done about it to de-escalate. So the wrong people are getting brought in to either run the squads or to either um, take these lessons. But conflict resolution, and I'm including communication skills here as well, which all ties in, I believe should be a couple of days. And a whole day of it, whether it sounds boring or not, should be practical, should be hands-on, role play after role play after role play, until the assessors are comfortable that that person can de-escalate. That's how I think it should be. Because I've been in situations where I've had to de-escalate some of the worst criminals in our state. And I've, I've de-escalated them just through my own life experience and who I am. Being able to talk on the same level, not swear and not be... Maturity too, Pete. But it's about yeah. maturity, isn't it? As yeah. you say, life oh. experience. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is, 100%. So... You know, like, a 21-year-old will come into the job. Now, mind you, I'll defend some 21-year-olds here, by the way. We've had some young 21-year-old females join the job and have been fantastic. They've been great. I'd go, I'd take them to me in a code any day because they've been great. So there are some really good ones out there. However, there's some just young people that have got no life experience and if they're working in a high security, they could be rostered on day one after recruitment into our high security unit and have to escort high-profile prisoners around all day. Now, if a prisoner has a go at them about something, tell me how they're going to respond to that. They're going to – one or two things can happen. They can either go in their shell a little bit and not really get involved or they can go the complete opposite and show a lot of favouritism so they can get brownie points off that prisoner. Now, that can happen as well. I've seen it. So, you know, you need, you need more time to be able to get well-balanced people to, to be able to work through conflict management. You need more time to do it. And you're just not, I don't know, it just seems that no one wants to make a decision at the top. You know what? <laughs> Let's make this recruit squad longer. How, how long does the prison what, police officers go for? Three months or something, isn't it? No, it's five. Five months. So I know they go through a lot more. But yeah. eight weeks is not enough. It's not enough. There's no, way not no. enough. In fact, I would say, <clears throat> pardon me, I would think that it's more important your communication skills and your de-escalation skills is more important than almost the physical side because if uh, there's so many times as a police officer that I would, I, I, and again, I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal. I'm just saying 
when you've got communication skills and you can talk to somebody, and a lot of times it's about listening, it's not about you know, I've learned about the, the, the words calm down, uh, listen to me, they don't work. Doesn't sometimes work. you just, nah, sometimes, in fact, a, a lot of times it infuriates the person. But it's about yep. listening, isn't it, sometimes? All they want to do is vent. They yep. don't want an answer. They just want to vent. And sometimes I think if you let them go and vent, They'll run out of breath. Yeah. They'll run out of, you know, you're not I- engaging. So they think, well, what's the point? I think communication skills are very, very underrated in most uh, workplace uh, training programs, whether that be prison, police, um, anywhere where you need de-escalation. Oh, the communication yeah. skills. And like you say, it might be, I don't know, a PowerPoint or a one role play. That's not enough. It should be, uh, you know, like a week. And then, it, and don't start me. You've got me on a roll here because also <laughs> about, <laughs> about the mental health, I think we all, uh, again, all these um, emergency service, prison officers, etc. I think we should be... Um, highlighting a lot more and doing a lot more about learning about our own mental health and when it's time to say, you know what, I need a break or I need, I'm not managing, uh, just the education with communication skills and mental health I don't think is near enough. No. Well, I'll the give you an example. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll give you an example. Just I thought you might be. I went to a um, – I had to go down to a unit one day. A prisoner was going off in the high security unit, and what he was doing is he was smashing up his cell, and then he was threatening to self-harm with the pieces that he smashed up. So normally you'd go down to a cell like that, and if he, if he didn't respond to you or um, if he didn't play the game – you'd end up doing this cell extraction. It gets messy, really messy, right? So yeah. I went down there and a few, like obviously a team of us went down there. There's probably about eight of us outside his cell. And I knew the prisoner a little bit. I had some dealings with him, but not a lot. And I thought to myself, I'm going to, I'm in this for the long haul, right? So I, what I said was, he was yelling out and carrying on screaming. So I said to everyone else, back up, move down the end yeah. of the hallway. Yeah. I'll stay yeah. here on myself, right? Yeah. And what I'd done, this took half an hour to do, but I laid on the ground next to his cell to talk to him. And I laid on my stomach and listened to his concerns. Yes. I talked to him on our level. Um, and it took a lot. Like, I didn't think I was going to get there in the end, but it did. And like, the outcome was we had to open up the trap, put his hands through, handcuff his hands through the trap and secure into the door. Then what we do is we open the door and staff can go in there and clean his cell out so he can't harm himself. That's all we wanted to do. And I had to explain to him that so he didn't trust anyone else. So, But I was with him the whole way. I had handcuffed him. I'd put my hand on his back to reassure him that everything's going to be all right, blah, blah, blah. The outcome was beautiful. It worked perfect. Now, I know that not everyone can do that, but sometimes you've just – they're not going anywhere. And neither are we really. Because that's our job. So just 
Mm. You know, you've just got to be able to listen to their concern, but at the same time, you need to be moving forward in where this is going because otherwise you get stuck there. And not everyone can do it, but I was just lucky on the day that you'd come around and no one got injured. But you say that um, not everyone can do it, but that's the sort of skills that I think you can you can learn communication skills and some people do have an innate ability to be able to just have that extra uh, skill. But you still can learn skills like that about, and that's something I learned about when we deal with kids that have been uh, traumatised or whatever, that instead of standing up and, you know, they're down below your knee sort of, that I've done that before where I've laid on the ground with a kid and, as you say, just uh, to yeah. get down to their level and talk to them on their level. And I think you can learn that. Like, um, yeah, I, I, I get exactly what you yeah. mean, but I take my hat off to you. I just, isn't it a shame that, and we'll get to this shortly, but isn't it a shame that you're no longer there and they have somebody like you to see it can be done. You can talk to people. It's just about patience and it's about time and it's about listening. It's not about yeah. yelling. Yelling back to them is going to do nothing no. except exacerbate the situation. No. Mm. And if you think about it, we're in a, a, a uniform that basically represents the police and if we start dictating to prisoners how do you reckon they ended up in prison in the first place? Because a policeman right. arrested them. So they already hate authority. So if we continue that authority on the inside, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, if only there were more people like you and I around. We're perfect, <laughs> oh. aren't we, Pete? <laughs> oh, try to not. be. Try to be. <laughs> I just wish that out of these podcasts that we do, that there's people out there that listen to it and maybe take some advice on board about actually taking some action if you want change. Yeah. Don't yeah. sit on your hands. I hope somebody's out there listening, Pete. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure there is. <laughs> I'm quite sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, have you worked in a female prison? No, I never have. But I've got lots of friends oh, okay. that work in female prisons. Yeah, never have. It's pretty yeah. similar. Um. Pretty similar to the men's prisons. Obviously, the obvious, you know, you know prison is a little bit different. But, yeah, I've never – I can't really say much about the female prison system. It's, oh, okay, um, because I was wondering, of course you would get, um, you know, the leaders and the ones that are troublemakers and the ones that are just nasty. Oh, look, I don't know, maybe I'm living in, a, in another world here, but I would think – the female prisoners wouldn't be as violent as the men? Would you um, have a thought on that? Or? It depends which prison we're talking about. There's two in the States. Tarangawa is an open camp, and then there's the maximum security one in Melbourne. But I have heard reports out of there that that can be pretty violent as well. That can be pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know specifics, but I have heard that it can be. You wouldn't think so, but, yeah. And I oh, think no, it was then, yeah. politics yeah. Um, I know this is a, um, a ridiculous question in a way, but if you had a magic wand, what would be some of the first things that you'd start changing with the way prisons are run? First thing is what we already talked about with the recruit 
selection. So that's, if my magic wand could appear, I would go, bang, change it. Don't talk about it, just change it and do it. Everything we talked about the recruiting before. Um, diversity in leadership, that's what I thought of before. For an example, people management and life skills over university degrees. Now, I say this in all organisations, not just correction, but there's a lot of organisations that if you've done a uni degree, all of a sudden you're the most experienced person to lead a team. It doesn't always work like that. You can do a university degree and have no life experience whatsoever. And, and what you've done is you've studied and you've listened to lecturers and you've done everything to get that degree and certificate, but it really doesn't cut it when you're leading a team of prisoners or any staff, any government places where they um, organisations like this, is maybe select people with management skills and life skills over university degrees. That's, that's one thing that I would change because there's some good people out there that haven't got a university degree but can really lead, but has a lot of respect, yeah. can lead a team. I agree more. Yeah. Um, and, and you've got to start looking at people like that. You don't have to have a university degree to make good change. Um, the other thing I would change is um, programs in prisons. And I'll give you an example. So to, for prisoners to get their parole, basically whilst they're in prison, they tick the box to get parole. So if there's a violence course or um, offending behaviour courses in prison, they're only doing it to tick a box. Very, very minimal will take anything out of it whatsoever. They're in prison, they're busy people in there. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but they've always got something to do in prison. All right, so it's like, it's got to tick a box. I'll do this course, I'll tick the box, I'll get parole, I'm out of here. But, you know, I haven't seen a program developed yet that has meaningful outcomes. And I don't know what the answer is, I'm just sort of putting it out there, that makes prisoners come to the course and want to change their offending behaviour. There's the old violence, cog skills used to be around, cognitive thinking, behaviours and all that. They all just do it for tick a box and get parole. We don't really want that because these people are going to get out and going to live next door to us one day maybe. So I just think if they could have a program developed that's meaningful and it's attractive for prisoners to want to go and change their behaviours, I don't know the answer, but that's what I would do. Um, what else? I know there's every, every prison is different, mind you, so open camps and medium security prisons may have some of this in place already, I'm not sure, but trade skills education. So there's a shortage of trades in the community right now. But if you, a prisoner, if you could do a pre-apprenticeship course in prison, it goes for 16 weeks, a trade, so that when they get out, they've got a certificate that can go towards doing them. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is... 
another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Two loads apprenticeship. So something meaningful so they can get out and get a job. Don't put them out on the street with no skills because they're going to come straight back in. That's all they know. Give them a skill inside so they can got some chance of surviving outside. And it could mean things like car license, truck license, forklift license. There is some prisons that do that already, I believe, but I just think they've got to hone down on these type of um, courses so that there's a better chance they'll stay out. So can they at the moment, If um, do they run any sort of courses that you're aware of where they do learn a trade like plumbing or a sparky or? No, I haven't heard of it. That doesn't make sense, I does it? Like you've got I, I, all the I, time I, in the world. Yeah, I don't want to speak out of line because there may be a medium security prison in the state somewhere that's doing it. I'm not sure. There might be an open yeah. camp where they're doing it and they do some – like open camps you can do – I think you can do farming courses maybe or something. But I just think there's trade centres in the community where anyone can go and do a pre-apprenticeship course, build a trade centre in a prison and get people qualified, get them up and about, get them traded up, so that when they do get out, they can present themselves at a location to say, I want to do a mature age apprenticeship, I can get some government funding maybe, I've done my course inside. Um, yeah. It just seems a no-brainer. 
Yeah, I don't want to be full of negativity, um, but I'm thinking, I'm just thinking now if you did have a course, let's say for, oh, any trade, I suppose what you'd have to do if they learnt that in prison would be you'd have to have tools, you'd have to have, which could be weapons, and I suppose yeah. that's always an issue in a prison is um, articles that can be made into weapons. So yeah. I, I Look, that happens a lot. Look, at, at Barwon we've got um, gardeners, that, but they're also, um, they're also supervised by staff members that when they're doing their um, gardening that all tools are accounted for, they're all locked away and secured, they're all, um, you know, they're all, they do it very well there. Everything's security, security, security. So they can do it. You can have tools and everything. It's just got to be supervised correctly and people doing the job right uh, correctly and then it'll be fine. Like you can do that easy. That's it. It's really easy. Yeah. Hey, you were telling me about a situation which could have very easily changed your life for the better, like around 50K better, uh, $50,000. <laughs> Can you tell us yeah. about that incident and how often that something like that would happen? Uh, look, I did get one day in my career, in my 12 years of prison service, I did get a prisoner ask me to bring a phone in and it was somewhere for the amount of, I think it was around 50, might have been 40 or 50 grand to bring a phone into the prison. Mm. And um, I thought, oh, you've got me wrong, mate. Um, so, I ended up, <laughs> so I ended up having a bit of a chat to this guy and said, listen, you've really approached the wrong person here. My career and my family life are way more important than you. So you've picked the wrong target. Um and obviously, I had to report that straight away anyway. So you, things like that happen. Your integrity's got to be high in the job and you've got to report oh, stuff yeah. like that. So, but yeah, it, it happens. Like maybe I could be that young 21-year-old prison officer that's scared and a bit anxious and they get offered that. I don't know. I haven't seen – I don't know anything that has happened gone when I was a bone. I don't know. I don't – we're not privileged to that. But, um, mm. but it could easily happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of myself now, and that's probably um, it's a it happens in life. I know that, but let's say a 21 year old pre, uh, train, oh, not a trainee that's just come out of training. I think some prisoners, as in people in general, some people can be very, very manipulative and yep. very, very clever. Yeah, and that would concern me. That um, and. And also, I think people, uh, let's say an offender, a prisoner, would be very good at picking out the vulnerable vulnerabilities of some, let's say, of some of the younger prisoners, uh, prison officers. Yeah. Well, they've got, they got time on their hands, see? They got, oh, it could take 12 months to groom someone. Yeah, yeah. I reckon That's if I was a prisoner, I always put myself on there. If I, I reckon if I was a prisoner in prison and put my beating their shoes, my students, you know what I'm trying to say. I reckon I can nearly get someone to bring something in. Because yeah, what happens yeah. is you've got time to groom someone. And yeah, it would take 12 months to become their friend. And it doesn't matter because I'm doing 10 years. So if I can take 12 months to groom a certain officer to bring a phone in or drugs or whatever, um, I reckon you can nearly pull it off. It just depends who your target is the officer. And 
But yeah, the, the, right. the difference yeah. is that officer, this is where integrity comes so important. As soon as something like that happens, you have to report it up the chain. Integrity is a big thing in the system. Otherwise, if you don't report it the first time, it gets beyond, um, it gets past you, and you've got no choice but to bring something in because that prisoner has threatened you. He threatens your family. I can find out where you live. Uh, he, he may know something about your life that he'll use in 10 months' time to make a threat. Yeah. And it could be something like, I know you live in this town. I could easily have a friend go to that town and find out where you live. Now, can you bring something in for me? When that person gets scared, oh, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, of course. So you're going to be of forced course. to bring something in. So it depends how nature, you respond. It? Yeah, it's yep. human nature. Yep. Yep. And I reckon if I was a prisoner, I'd want to get a phone in there too. So I could ring me missus for nothing. <laughs> I, I'd try, <laughs> but uh, look, I'm just speaking. <laughs> Not really, but yeah. you no, could. No, you I, could. But, but, and that's my point. That's what we're saying, isn't it? That, yeah. um, as you say, they've got time to groom somebody that they just find a little bit of a chink in their personality, a little bit of a vulnerability, and they've got time to just, you know, um, chip away at it until, as you say, you know, the the young prison officer gets scared and you only have to uh, threaten somebody about their family and it's a whole new ball game, isn't it? Yeah, especially if the prisoner is a high-profile prisoner and you know they've got contacts. Oh so God, as soon yeah. as you yeah. say the very first time, if you don't not nip it in the bud, the very first time you have dealings with that person, you might as well start. You might as well give up your job because you're going to be forced to bring something in. There's somebody in your yeah, family's yeah. just been threatened. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. Hey, um, that was that's a, a beautiful segue into my next uh, question about drugs. You just uh, mentioned then yeah. something about bringing drugs into um, a prison. Yeah. Yep. You taught me something the other day, a word that I had no idea what it meant, and it's called boo-poo. Is that right? Bupe, bupe, B-U-P-E. It's called bupe. It's called, um, it's, I think it's short yeah. for a longer word, bupamorphine or something like that. It's like a methadone. Yeah. It's like a, um, yeah. to help prisoners get off the drugs, which is great. Like yeah. it's, it's a good thing for prisoners who are suffering a drug addiction. They come inside and they're getting help to come off the drugs. It's great. There's methadone that can take that, and there's this bupe. So, look, prisons have become really good with stopping hard drugs coming in as far as, like, um, you know, ice or, you know, um, they, they've got good at their security, and it's, it's, it's hard to get it in now. But the, un- the unfortunate thing about bupe, it's just like a bit of paper. It's dissolvable. And you can drug – people that are, have drug addictions in the community can get a prescription and get it from a chemist. So – it's it's very hard to detect. It's like a, just a small bit of paper. It could be the half the size of your fingernail could be worth two hundred and fifty bucks for a deal. Okay. So yeah. it's it's hard to detect, but they're getting better at it. Like it's it's getting very very good at detecting it now. But yeah, that can come in. Like that can that's probably the the key drug at the moment that um comes into the system. And unfortunately, if drugs come into the system. It changes a whole new ball game. It changes everything. There's more prisoner on prisoner assaults, standover. Um, yeah, it's just a whole lot more. Uh, what happens there is, is if a prisoner has got himself in drug debt inside, what's one way of getting out of that is to bail. 
And one way to bail is to punch up an officer. So they punch up an officer, they go to a management unit, and they just got out of it. And that's the downfall of it. So, yeah, unfortunately. I was just thinking that would be so easy to get inside. I mean, it could be um, on a letter, on an envelope. It could be, yep. oh, God, like if it's just a piece of paper, a tiny little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it can come in. In many ways, like that, but um, I've seen I've seen a lot that's been stopped, and obviously some do get through. Like, but yeah, it's um, but for my understanding, it's not a drug that heightens you. It's not a drug that will heighten you to the extent like speed or ice would. It's more of a mm. does the opposite effect. Um, so it's oh, like a relaxing just- type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was it after you were a prison officer for 12 years? What made you decide you'd had enough? Um, my mental health was telling me I had enough. I, was, um, I wasn't in a good way. I, like I said before, I lost both parents um, and I was really struggling with that. Um, you know, struggling to work with people that took life when I was grieving over my mum and dad passed away, so that that was hard. But then, I, I guess just being, just witnessing and being involved with so many incidents as well probably had a little bit to do with it. If I hadn't have lost both parents, I was probably going to be a little bit more stable, and that type of the job wouldn't have affected me because I am pretty thick skinned and I can see and witness anything that doesn't bother me. But I think the downward spiral for me was losing both my parents, and then. Mm. Everything else is like a domino effect. So any assaults that I've been a part of or witnessed or, um, yeah, oh, look, yeah, there was one. Look, there was one assault there. There was one day where two prisoner groups um, turned on each other in their compound, and it was just chaotic. There would have been thirty people fighting in the compound, and there was an all response from staff and. There was gas blade everywhere. It was just chaotic. And I can, I'll never forget, I was down on the ground trying to handcuff a prisoner and I had gas in my eyes. And then behind me was two prisoners stabbing each other. And it was like you were in a war zone. It was like, it was, and I ended up seeing the footage of that and I was like, God, I was lucky they could have just stabbed me in time. Like, so these are the things you think about. There was just some sort of bad stuff that, was going on in my life and it got to the stage where especially after dad died that I'd let things get to me I let everything build up and then I was driving to work and having to pull over on the side of the road because I was crying I was just I was a bit of a mess and then 10 minutes later I'd get myself together drive to work and have to put on that brave face and be the strong mentor type of person I was but deep down I was really struggling big time and then in the end I had a couple of weeks off work and went back to work and one of the operations managers come up to me at staff parade and said to me, oh, you've been off for a couple of weeks. Is everything all right? And I just broke down in front of him. I just couldn't believe it. I just let me guard down and there was people around and he said, come into my office and this guy was fantastic, mate. He sat me in his office, gave me whatever time I needed off, um, went home. I never come back. Um, yeah. yeah, I just never went back. Yeah, but I, I was in a bad way. Up. I was in a bad way. Yeah, and, and I think to myself, 
you're probably right about your parents. Sometimes you just need something like that to put uh, things or life, let's say, in perspective. And you start to think, you know what, I don't need this, this um, you know, negative uh, workplace and, the, the you know, oh, clearly I think you'd had enough and it was just, yeah. thank goodness your, um, your supervisor uh, treated you, you know, with um, kindness and care and it'd be nice if there was a few more of them around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, yeah. He, was, <clears throat> he was great. He was fantastic and I wish he had have been a gazetted governor there actually because, um, yeah, the way he looked after this situation with me is what every operations yeah. manager should be about. And there is some, yeah. some there like that and I'm in contact with now a lot. And they still check yeah. in, and we, you know, I'm a lot better now. I'm a lot better place, and um, it's all good. But yeah, it's just, and that's what do I was saying. Before. Yeah, I do sometimes actually. I do yeah. miss yeah. the environment and being involved in what's going on, and uh, I do. Yeah. But I know that that wasn't a happy place for me. So um, yes, yeah. you done your time, now, so, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. If I can get yeah. that, this is my sort of way back. Is giving back is trying to get the message out there that the powers of breathe, they can listen and maybe take some action and improve the system. That's, that's why I'm doing this. Mm. Hey, we were talking, you said, uh, you mentioned in passing before, you'd done a podcast with a guy called Russell Mansell. And I've yep. got to say, I can't remember why somebody suggested I have a listen, but I did. And uh, it was your interview with Russell. But yep. I'm just thinking now, uh, Russell, yes, what an amazing man. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he he did a course, didn't he do some sort of a course inside and he, it, it sort of started to turn his life around and yeah. change him or, or was that when he got out? No, I think from memory, I actually watched something on um, ABC, the story. What's that show, the story, something, story? Um, oh, Australian can, Story? Uh, Australian Story, yeah. You can Google Russell and yeah. watch that. It's actually a good Good thing what he went through. So I think he did do a program in. I hope I'm not speaking out of terms here, Russell, but he did do a program in there. And I think um, the certain page of your life, certain time of your life in prison, I think the person's got to be ready as well. <clears throat> and I yeah, think yeah. it got to a stage where I think he was ready to do something as well. And yeah, there was a course that I think turned his life around. Um, and I'm not sure what it is, but. When, when we speak about courses, you know, it's okay for psychologists to come in and deliver a violence course, but you know what else works as well? Is if they, corrections let people come in like um, powerful mentors, powerful people that are out there, like sporting identities, um, powerful people on the outside that can come in and share their stories and be a mentor. If I was in prison, I would want, I'm, I'm a boxing fanatic, I used to box and I love it. Someone like Jeff Fennick coming to a prison system and talked at a program that I was doing, I'd look up to him and I'm like, I'd be like, I want to change my life and be like him. So that yeah, doesn't happen. Right? Mm. It doesn't happen. Mm. No, no one inspiring comes in. It's just workers in the prison deliver a session and, you know, sometimes you're just not ready for that. You just want to go back to your mm. cell and watch TV and tick the boxes. Mm. You know, I think, uh, like you say, somebody like Russell, and just for the record, I think uh, Russell had done, he'd spent a lot of time inside, and I think he'd done, I hope I'm right here, Russell, I think he'd done an, a, 
um, armed robbery and like some fairly yes. serious shit. But yep, he but has come, yep, but completely turned his life around and you can't help but admire him. And I think to myself, you're right, they should, the, the correction should think about having people like Russell, uh, I don't know how he'd go mentally about going back inside as a, as a, a I don't know, a lecturer or, you know, to give a, a talk or something, but yep. that's the sort of thing you need, isn't it? People Absolutely. that have lived, lived experience rather than somebody that's, um, as we were talking before, and taking nothing away from people that have got uni degrees and psychology degrees, but to have somebody with lived experience and see the the person has turned their life around, you know, I just think how motivating would that be? Even if you just change one or two prisoners' um, yeah. thought patterns and thinking, yep, I reckon I can do that. Russell just shows that he, he did some serious shit, but he's – turned his life around. It's actually really inspiring. I must have a look at um, Australian yeah. Story. Yeah, watch it. It's really um, – you're exactly – you hit the nail on the head, seriously. He's the type of people that they've got to get involved and get in. But you know what? They won't let him in because they're an ex-prisoner. You know, like, oh, he, he's, yeah. he's an ex-prisoner. And there's too many, you know, <clears throat> red tape, politics, um, you know, security risks, oh, this bloke done 23 years, um, you know, mm. you've got you to mm. just, you know, if I was a governor of the jail or I was working head office and I was a boss, go and talk to these people yourself. Go and talk to um. Russell Mansell and get a vibe on what he's about and then approve for someone like that him to come in and speak to the boys. And that's, that's what will get these young prisoners that are in there now or any prisoner um, thinking about someone that's changed their life and tell the stories. Yeah, yeah. Like thinking outside the square, which is what I was saying to you before about, you know, having that magic wand, thinking outside the square about what can we do to get prisoners to give them a bit of motivation or just to do something different other than I know you love your boxing and I do apologise, but, you know, something <laughs> other than, um, you know, a, a boxing uh, a session in the gym or whatever, yeah. I think just do something different, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, look, yeah, look, Pete, um, I've got to say thank you so much for your time today uh, and giving us an insight into the world for you of us know. Um, it sounds like you made a big difference to a lot of people and particularly that uh, that man who you connected with, his mum. I mean, you only need to do hear one of those stories and I think to myself, you did make a difference. You know, it's, um, it's a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah, sure is. Thank you very much. No worries, Pete. Uh, lovely to chat and good luck with everything and thanks for uh, taking the time to take us into that world. We've learned no a lot. No worries at all, Thank you very all much right, for having thanks. me. I'm glad I can share my story. Hey, so am I, Pete. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. 
could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Thanks.